Hi, I'm Johnny Varvel, UK's Editor-in-Chief, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Varvel Football Podcast. This podcast aims to bring you insight, debate, and entertainment from some of the best and brightest young sports journalists from around the world. Please do give us a listen. You've already started, so I'd recommend staying for a little bit longer at least. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, then please do give us a subscribe. And even better, give us a positive review. Positive reviews are a great way to expand our reach. Not only would this mean a lot to me, but it would mean a lot to over 300 writers that write regularly for Varvel UK. We hope to get as many of them on this podcast as we possibly can over the course of the 2021 to 22 season. Anyway, enough of my waffle. Let's get straight into this. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to April's edition of the Varvel Football Podcast. Now, I left my podcast microphone in the office, actually, so hopefully the audio quality is not too deterred. It doesn't seem to be. This wonderful headset that I've got, I hope, uh, provides you with wonderful audio quality from my equally wonderful voice. Uh, we also have a slightly drunk Harry with us. Uh, not, No, he's not, he's not drunk. He's had not a few. Not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. I was actually discussing with Harry. Actually, I did a film. I did one film podcast. I've done one film podcast in my life that got published. It was after about six pints, but I, it was after the sixth. They were drunk very quickly, and I got about three or four or five messages a day after saying, "Oh my god, did you hear yourself on that podcast?" I said, "No, I was fine." He said, "Listen to the first five minutes where I introduced myself by explaining things over and over and over and over and over again until the host of that podcast had to cut me off." And move on. I did sober up eventually over that time. Harry's not that level yet, so thankfully, uh, we should have a functioning podcast guest or co-host on on the, on this particular episode. He's happy though, aren't you, Harry? I'm on cloud nine. To be fair, Johnny. I mean, when Bruno Guimaraes heads in in the 95th minute to win your fifth straight home game in a row, it's not too bad of a feeling. To be fair, but no, we've had a good afternoon. But looking yeah. forward to the podcast. We've been looking forward to this all day. I was oh, supposed yeah. to host this one, but. Yeah. Johnny took the executive decision to kind of just leave me for the next month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll leave him for the next month. We'll leave him for the next. We'll roll him out when he when he's uh, more appropriately behaved. Uh, but he is, of course, appropriately behaved now. Hence, he's here. He is not slurring words. Unlike actually your co-host on the um, uh, Time Weir podcast when you were discussing the uh, departure of Sean Dyche, the guy who was co-hosting with you. I'm sure, you can uh, reference him. It sounded like he'd had double the amount that you'd had. I'm sure he's probably not listened to this. But uh, honestly, coming out with some of the most biggest drivel I've heard in quite some time uh, with relation to the Sean Dyche news. The reason why, actually, we wanted Harry to come on to this show was well the reason why we wanted Harry to present the show he's laughing now in the background uncontrollably I don't think he will be listening but on the off chance that he is um, I'm, I'm only messing lad I'm only messing but you were talking absolute nonsense on the particular matter um, but the reason why we wanted Harry on actually was as a host specifically was so he could sort of prod the question towards me seeing as you know I do you know as listen as a, as, a, as, a, as a journalist who covers all teams I do have roots with Burnley and you know they are a team I cover quite a bit, even though I don't want to be known as the Burley writer, as I say many, 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 many times. Uh, but yeah, it was, this weekend was a big one, wasn't it, Harry? For me and the likes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something I don't think we expected. I mean, there was there's a few murmurs maybe amongst the Burnley fan base that maybe they did want Sean Dice to be sacked, but I think the wide consensus was that 
they all wanted him to remain in charge at least until the end of the season. And, mm. and maybe if you want to be relegated, he's the man to take you back up. But it, it certainly mm. took me by surprise. I mean, look, he spent over nine years at the club. And, and from a Burnley fan perspective, I mm. imagine it's been quite tough for you seeing a manager, I mean, a, a man that essentially put Burnley on the map depart the club in such fashion eight games before the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I wrote a, a long piece on the wonderful Volvo website. Many people actually messaged me saying what a wonderful piece it was, although I do happen to think that there might have been a, um, a conflict of interest with accreditation rights coming up uh, in the next month. So maybe they were just never. trying to put me up. Never, never. And I should say as well, uh, when I did mention the Time Wave podcast, it's a wonderful podcast, isn't it, Harry? Hosted by yourself. Um, you know, I, I just sort of jumped it out there. Everyone's going, what's the Time Wave podcast? Well, it's like Volvo's football podcast, sister podcast, except it's done weekly. It has adverts in it, doesn't it? We do get a few quid nowadays, yeah. Both <laughs> like my hosting ability, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Time Wave podcast available every single week. Uh, covering all things Newcastle United. So if you ever want to do listen to my dulcet tones in a hosting perspective, uh, feel free to join my Twitter and have a look. Uh, it's all thanks to my wonderful hosting skills, of course, that we're getting paid for it, but you know. Yeah, Def- yeah. as I say, uh, the, the guests may need some work, but I'm only joking. Uh, I'm only not joking. having the slander. <laughs> not having the slander. <laughs> Needed the one time I was, it's funny, I actually appeared on that uh, podcast once, uh, shortly after it was given the, um, the ability for advertising rights. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I, I'm a believer in faith, I'm a believer in all of this, but to be honest, I, I think I think the stars only align because of um, the influence of another. They messaged creator. me and said, "Can you remove that one that that Burnley kid talk, and then we can we can sort yes, the deal yes, out." Yes, but Harry, I, Harry, I don't talk, I don't talk like a Burnley kid. When I, last time I was out, and someone said, "Someone who I haven't met in four years," they called me a posh something or other. They called me a posh something. Did or they call you a Tottenham fan as well? <laughs> I do like Antonio Conte very much, and the people up there are lovely. But I'm a global football fan, Harry. Anyway, we're getting detracted. So back to the Sean Dyche news. Yeah, I think. It was, well, I, I was covering, I was the same way before we were on air, I was covering Africa Stanley and um, and Burton Albion. It's one of the worst games I've seen in my life. And even, even John, yeah, even John Coleman said we nearly set the fans to sleep, which I thought was quite funny. And I, I, I think John Coleman actually, as a someone who's interviewed uh, after the games, he, he doesn't mince his words. He says it how it is. And I think he's fantastic to listen to. And uh, he's a fantastic, he's done a fantastic job for Accrington Stanley. In a similar way, I suppose, you can look at Sean Dyche, the legacy he's built at the club, parallels there. Although Coleman left, of course, and then came back, I suppose, with his tail between his legs. But yeah, Dyche, go, it was it was a really big surprise. I think there was a big response on, on social media to suggest that this was a 100% crazy decision. I say it was something like 65% crazy. I don't think it was 100% crazy. Um, the reason why I think that is because, okay, I'll tell you why I think it was crazy to, to a point. I think the timing was shocking. Um, there were two times this season where you felt like Sean Dyche could have gone if they felt like it was the right thing to do. That was after the Brentford game, which was, which was a huge game at the time, six-pointer. Um, that result gave Brentford a massive lift. It gave Burnley a massive, a massive dent in confidence, and it was a game many felt Burnley had to win to keep, to keep pushing, uh, to beat the drop. It was a poor performance, and more importantly, there was three weeks to go until Burnley next played a game, which was against Manchester City. Now, if the club hierarchy felt at that point, you know what, something needs to change if Burnley are to survive. That would have been, the, I think, one of the 
best times this season to pull the plug. It gives the new manager three weeks to work with the players before the Manchester City game, which was coming up. A game which the new coach wouldn't have been expected to win, so they could have used it like a, a friendly of sorts. Well, not a friendly of sorts, but, but a free hit of sorts. And then you could have gone into some of the biggest games of the season, i.e. now, with a bit of momentum, with something built up. Um, so that would have been one, one time to pull the trigger. The second time to pull the trigger would have been straight after the Norwich game. It was a really poor performance against the bottom of the league. It was a great opportunity to build momentum after the Everton loss, and it was a really, really poor performance. Uh, the tactics and the attacking plan were pretty much, well, the attacking plan was pretty much hoof the ball up to Bout Veghorst, who doesn't like to head the ball, which is quite apparent if you've been watching the performances. And it was really baffling to see such a, a performance that was so lifeless against the basement boys. And Norwich, in, in the end, barring a Maxwell corner miss, which he probably should have scored, Norwich had plenty of chances. They could have won three or four nil. If it wasn't for Nick Pope's um, expert, expert saves in moments, and they missed a few other good chances as well. So after that game, you could have said, "Well, okay, this is it. He has to go now. Give the new let's appoint the new manager through the week. Maybe he can sit in the stands for West Ham." To do it just before the West Ham game was absolutely nonsensical. It makes you think something's happened internally. Something's just which we don't know about because no journalists know about it. There have been murmurs, Harry, you said that some players have been a bit discontented with the direction of the club. I'm thinking personally some of the attacking players. I'm personally thinking Val Vekos wondering why he's getting the ball lumped to him every two minutes instead of on the floor to his feet like he wanted it where he'd come short. As he showed, he, he was very good at holding the ball up with his feet and linking play in those first three games he played for Burnley or those first few games he played for Burnley. Um. So, yeah, I can understand why the decision was made, as harsh as it was, as hard as it was. But I don't understand the timing on that. So you don't, you shouldn't do it just, a, a, you know, a day or two before the game against West Ham. You basically, you've patched up a team, Michael Jackson, the jokes have already been made, uh, and his and his backroom staff, with Ben Mee also in charge. I actually think the Ben Mee involvement is quite clever because he's played for the club, he's a leader. He can offer some insight. Uh, from a playing perspective, and maybe things that they want to change that Sean Dyche wasn't going to change. So, I could, but I still don't think, it, I mean, to get a point against West Ham in the circumstances was very, very impressive, I think, from, from that whole squad um, in the circumstances. As I say, just we'll touch on the future of that in a second, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't nice how he left. It didn't seem right from the results perspective. And I was saying from that point forward, maybe it should have been the end of the season. Maybe he should have gone at the end of the season. If Burnley went down, they weren't happy with the style. They could have said, say Burnley were down before the Newcastle game, they could have said, right, this is going to be Sean Dyche's last game. He's going to depart the club. And then the fans say goodbye, the club rebuild, and try and go, come up in a different direction. Alternatively, some would say, you know what, give him a season to put to help Burnley get back into the uh, Premier League. He's got an excellent record at Championship level, so there's that possibility as well. But I would say the fact is, really, when you do look at it in detail, this Burnley team this season has not been the Sean Dyche Burnley teams of seasons gone by. What you would say is, if Burnley was where they were, but they were chasing every ball, they were slamming into tackles. They were making life difficult, but they were just losing one or two nil. Then you'd say, you know what? This is 100% crazy lunacy. Look at what Sean Dyche has done for this football club. 
But in reality, there were so many games this season where Burnley just didn't show that fight. They didn't have the 110% commitment that they had over the years. Maybe they were at 90 or 80. Maybe they were too comfy. When Chris Wood left Harry to join Newcastle, he said he was in his comfort zone at Burnley. And it did look like, from management to players, that there was a comfort zone of playing at about 90 or 80%, not quite the top, top, top percent. And you felt they could do a bit more in games. You felt they could get a bit more intensity going. And they didn't. And no, and it never seemed likely that that was going to come back. Even against Everton, even in that game against Everton, where Burnley won 3-2, they won 3-2 due to some shambolic Everton defending. It wasn't down to creativity. It was down to really, really poor defending from, from a, another really poor side who could go down this season. Um, so that's why I think, Harry, that's why I think it's 65% crazy because I do think there was a conversation to be had. I don't think it's all sunshine and roses like some people said outside of the football club. Um, but I also think that everyone's pretty much universal in the fact that the timing of when it happened was absolutely crazy. And if there wasn't anything internal that specifically required them to do it then, then it is, it is baffling you. The timing was really alarming, I thought, because he didn't get a send-off. I mean, a manager, the longest serving manager in the Premier League by a country mile, a, a Burnley legend, would you say? I mean, the man's got a pub yeah. named after him, hasn't he? Yeah. And yeah. He's, he's walked away, he's been sacked. Nine days after you won against Everton and it was all, you know, back on. Burnley were arguably the favourites to stay up. Everton were the ones to take that spot on 18th. And after a defeat against Norwich, yes, the performance was poor, but for him to go without a proper send-off tells me that, you know, that there was definitely something's happened behind the scenes that we've mm. we've not, obviously we don't know about. But, I mean, we saw a thing today, didn't we, where apparently his payoff is £15 million. Pounds. I mean, that's more than Steve Bruce got from the Saudis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, so, when you say yeah. that as well, Harry, you, 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 I I feel for Sean Dyche in the sense that I, I, I about the send off and about the um that that he's gone at such a strange moment, such a strange time that he was preparing for the West Ham game and then he's been cut short, um, you know, just two days before. But then you say the fifteen million pound payoff, and you think, "Oh, get over it." <laughs> Which you will. Yeah, it's like Steve Bruce, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> I would have took some of the abuse he got if I was getting paid ten million quid. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he will get over it. Um, you're absolutely right. I think it, it it's really difficult because, and it, it was difficult. You look back at some of the interviews, you look back at some of the memories of what he's done at this football club, and you think, "Wow, he is a legend. He deserves a statue." Thomas Frank said he deserves a statue. Well, he has a pub. Uh, he could have a statue. Uh, there's absolutely no reason why he couldn't have a statue outside the club. He's been, he's been, listen, what he's done for that football club has been nothing short of remarkable. The relationship he built with the fans, with 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 the players over time, with 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 even the journalists who you know really really admired him, who've been in the press box since he arrived. It, yeah, all of those reasons, it it, it it's crazy. It's sixty five percent crazy, as I said, um, but it but it but it is. Um, yeah, and it left it left you contemplating things over the weekend. It left you thinking about about times gone by, um, and it was quite sad. It was quite sad from from the perspective of the supporters, from the perspective of everyone associated with the club. Um, but and, and and again, the nothing the timing's all wrong. But if this had happened after the Brentford game or straight after the Norwich game, there would have been a bit more sense about it. I'd have said it's less crazy. As I've said, it's it's not nice, it's brutal, it's harsh, there's no loyalty, but given how the way football is, you'd have said, well, maybe, maybe something does need to give a little bit. Maybe it is a bit too comfortable across the I mean, board. I would have got the timing of it 
if mm. you had a man in place for today's game being yeah. Sunday. That tells me, I mean, you've got Ben Mee, who's a player, yeah. sat as essentially the assistant manager. Mm. Something's gone on there. Yeah. And you, what, I don't, yeah. what I don't get also as well is, I mean, like, I'm, I'm a massive Sean Dyche fan. I think, obviously, you'll probably disagree with this, me on this pod, but I think Burnley would, you know, with the squad they've got, are probably the worst side in the league bar Norwich. Shouldn't really be within a, a chance of seeing up, considering the teams around them are, are, have, have spent good money. Yes, that the strongest 11 is a... I would say can hold the tone in the Premier League, but Christ, he made, he made Phil Bardsley a solid Premier League player at thirty-five. He Phil was Bardsley hasn't played this year, though. But the season yeah. before that, yeah, yeah. Do you know look, what I mean? That, this, this is what he's yeah. done. Even the likes of Aaron Lennon, like players have been like completely written off by other clubs, and you know yeah. he's been able to like make them into solid Premier League players. I, I just mm. think that mm. for me, I don't think there's many other managers that could have replicated the job that the Dice has done. And no. Where do you see the future of Burnley now, and in terms of the managerial hunt? Because for me, I think the only manager you can probably pull in is is a one out of a job, obviously. But if you're going to get someone who's in a job, it's going to be someone in the championship. And mm. are they better than Sean Dyche? Yes, I mean sometimes. Look, I mean, I, I it's different. But you can't, I, I look back to remember when Claudio Ranieri won the league with Leicester, and everyone said he had a job for life because he'd done the remarkable thing, something yeah. no one else could do. I mean, so, Ran- I mean, good things have got to come to an end, haven't they? Yeah, on yeah, other yeah. Yeah, look, I, I think so. I mean, Cla- what Claudio Ranieri did was unbelievable. Claudio Ranieri, if he'd have had two years at Leicester, would have took Leicester into the championship, I believe. I think Callum, who used to who used to appear on this podcast a lot, also said the same thing. And he's a he's a lifelong Leicester supporter, watches uh, and, and journalist watches them. And, and he agreed. He thinks that Ranieri would have took Leicester down. And Craig Shakespeare came in with pretty much no managerial experience, actually guided the ship to safety. Um, Craig Shakespeare then got a... a longer term contract and he wasn't very good but for that little period where he was just acting as interim he did very very well steadied the ship I think it was just about having a new voice and changing things that maybe the the previous manager didn't or couldn't see I would probably honestly I was even debating this on Twitter uh, and, and I'm not sure how popular it would be with the supporters but we heard Michael Jackson speak today comes across well has the respect to the players clearly because they delivered a really good performance for him. And he did tweak a few things against West Ham. He did change a little bit. He kept the 4-4-2 framework, but he changed a few things. He, may, he seemed to put more emphasis on keeping the ball instead of hitting it long. Valt Veghorst put his best game in uh, for a good long while, probably since he arrived at the club. The first few games since he arrived at the club, he, he looked alive. He scored the goal. His goal looked full of enthusiasm and confidence. Playing, playing at West Ham. He brought Jack Cork back in, a move that should have been done many, many games ago because Jack Cork's a natural City midfielder and he provides more balance to the team. He had Corne and McNeil playing. I don't think McNeil had his best game and Corne missed the penalty, but he played well. But again, it shows that attacking intent. I think there is, there, at this point in time, there's no point bringing someone in thinking about it with a radically different philosophy to what Sean Dyche had, because you can't just suddenly go back three or back five and say, right, we're going to do it. I was thinking Chris Wilder would be great, but uh, as an option, I think he would as a long-term option, but with seven games to go, you don't want to be doing overlapping uh, centre-backs and and a a completely different um, system, which Wilder has. So there might be some method in just letting uh, Michael Jackson and co maybe get one or two bodies in in the background and just say, you know what, this is an unprecedented situation. It's like nothing we've seen in years. No one saw this coming. But guess what? Something wasn't right. Something has to change a little bit. 
we're all in this together, siege mentality, see if we can tweak the formula a little bit. And I think that that's the way you have to go. Stick to kind of the same structure, tweak it a little bit, make the tweaks that Sean Dyche maybe couldn't make or wouldn't make. Put more of an emphasis on getting the ball progressively up the pitch instead of hoofing it long aimlessly. Get the players, the best players playing well. Get McNeil into some kind of form. Hopefully he can find his confidence. Get Veghorst back. He seemed to be back against West Ham into, into, into delivering good performances. And I think that might be the way to go because it's a really awkward, isn't it, Harry? But, but an assistant manager, an interim manager for seven games now, he's not, he's not coming in and going to be a master tactician. He's not coming in and trying to de- deliver a philosophy. He's coming in to try and rally the players, motivate the players get them doing something slightly different to what they were doing before. And honestly, you don't have to be the best manager in the world to do that. I just think you have to be a bit of a different voice with an understanding of the club. You just have to have the players on your side and ready to give, deliver 110%. I don't think they were doing that on the Dutch. I think they were probably delivering solid 80s. So it's a risk, but hey, you know, there's not much else on, is there? I mean, I think at the point of the season you've done it, I think it's crazy. Because, I mean, I've experienced an interim manager this season under Graham Jones. And obviously when Bruce left, we were all quite happy, obviously, that Graham Jones was coming in because he, he'd done a... When he, when he came into the club as initially as like the first team coach, he, he had a, a massive impact on the team overnight. And we, we stopped mm. results together and ultimately stayed in the league. But, mm. you know, after three or four games under Graham Jones, we were like, yeah, it's the same stuff as Bruce. And I have a feeling it's going to be similar fate under Dyche. And I worry, unless you start getting wins, it's going to be this, this similar issue at Burnley and the games are running out for you guys as well. So it's a difficult one. But like you said there on, on the other perspective, it's a risk worth taking at this point in the season because, you know, you look at it at the minute, they've lost to Norwich. You know, if you lose to Norwich, you're in the position you're in. The chances are you're going to go down anyways. So well, if you well, change Rafa Benitez state... lost his job after losing to Norwich. Claudio Ranieri lost his job after losing to Norwich. Just like anyone who loses to Norwich. I but say anyone who's lost to Norwich this season's lost their job, to be honest. So but no, it's, well, it's gonna be yeah. a tough one for Burnley. I mean, like, how do you see it going from a from a Burnley perspective? So I mean you're three points behind. Yeah. You're you're relatively optimistic for a Burnley fan. I mean, no. I see some better and they're absolutely miserable, but you always seem to go, yeah, look, you know, we're three points behind, we've got a chance, that sort of thing. I'm but an optimistic guy, I'm placid. Yeah, the games are, the games are running out now though for Burnley. I mean you have got, yeah. you've got a game in hand, haven't you, whatever? Harry, I think Burnley will go down. I think, I think Burnley so. will go down. Yeah. But I think it goes I, to the final day. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, you I'm asking you I'm asking you for an opinion. It's not whether you know. <laughs> don't know. What do you want from me? <laughs> I mean, I was re- yeah, I don't you don't know anything anymore. I sent you an interesting bit, uh, snapshot from Fun 88 saying the, the Burley Board wanted to sack Dutch in January and bring Steve Bruce in. <laughs> I've been joking about that for months. <laughs> you know? Imagine if he kept him up, if he's kept yeah. him up. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, beat Newcastle on the final day, he'd do his knee sliding in front of the fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh well, you know, I love that football club, but they really wound me up when I was in charge. We rolled no. our sleeves up. That's what the players need to do. Yeah. Oh my goodness me. Yeah. Honestly, it's it's yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting. There's been it's been a yeah, it, it's been a crazy, crazy weekend from that perspective. Really, and often on the podcast, I I, I don't discuss Burnley. Often on the podcast, I like to discuss all the other teams and whatnot. Um, but it, it felt out this, you know, it felt out to start in front with this, and it did. Um, I think it's it, it. There were so many 
it, I always it is always easier, I think. And and that don't get me wrong, the way Sean Dyke should be dealt with hasn't been it has been brutal, but then you consider the 15 million payoff, like we said, and we think, yeah, well, it's brutal, it's brutal It'll with a nice incentive. Yeah. yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah. So I think I think they got considered that. I mean, he was caught in a pub in Nottingham two days ago. He looked he was buzzing. <laughs> you know, he's there with I mean, he's not gonna be in the jobs tent, is he? No, 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 no. He could go to the bloody uh, the Ritz with the 15 million. He could be drinking there, couldn't he? Um, I don't think it's Sean Dyke's cup of tea, the Ritz, though. But, um, yeah, no, honestly, yeah you're, right, yeah, you're right with everything you've said. Club legends got the, got them done miracles on small budgets. Well, he wasn't doing miracles this year, unfortunately, and the brutal nature of football is that that, that, that happens. The timing was ridiculous. Personally, given the situation, I'd have kept him until the end of the season. Uh, I probably wouldn't have sacked him anyway, even even after the Brentford or the Norwich game. I'd have probably given him, you know, I even suggested actually giving him one season to get Burnley back up. Again, if if it, if it if it flopped, then you don't really want to give him, you know, too many because then it's like that old saying, isn't it? I think it's on the Dark Knight, isn't it? Um, what, what did it say? Um, you uh, if you die, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And I think that. That that is awesome. your experience, that didn't he? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think if he had, if Burnley had to become a mid-table championship team over by the end of Dyche's tenure, I think he would have. That would have affected his legacy a little bit. It shouldn't do, but it probably would. You know, no doubt about it. So that his his legacy is absolutely perfectly intact now. Um, but but yeah, I, really, really whirlwind, whirlwind, whirlwind. I think uh, as for Burnley, like you say now, I think the, the, the ridiculousness of the situation that I'm now saying Michael Jackson should get to the end of the season with Ben, me and the, the people, the little siege mentality group, does scream, it does, it, 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 say, it says, why on earth has he been dismissed? Like you say, we might never know, but something might have happened in, back, in the background. Um, right now, what would I do? Honestly, like I say, I, I might even give him the, I saw enough against West Ham to suggest that there's fire to the players. Um, I, I think he has, I think he's, he will tweak the Dyche formula a little bit. And there's only seven games left, Harry. So if you get a new guy in and he might be even watching the Southampton game, then he's got six games. What's he going to do with six games? And usually with the manager, it takes them a couple of games to get up to speed before yeah. the honeymoon period begins. Look, you know I mean? Michael Jackson knows the club. He knows the players roughly. He might even bring one or two under 23s in if, they, if they've delivered. Uh, maybe that gives a bit of a freshness to the, to, the, to the proceedings. The players seem to respond to him. Veghorst played his best game in a long time. There's no perfect solution to this because it's a very, very, very strange situation. But there is a possibility of giving it Michael Jackson moonwalking to the end of the season, and hopefully, and, and just hoping. If he did, <laughs> it was yeah, and just hoping at the same time, if he kept Burnley up, that'd be an unbelievable achievement for him. I'd still probably wouldn't give him the main contract for the reasons. The things he'd end up with time, a job. Though. This is the problem. He'd end up would, with yeah. The job. yeah, but you know, long live the puns. <laughs> long live the puns, isn't it? The thriller long of a season. The sunshine. Yeah, been on the corner as it was today. We used this <laughs> penalty, but uh, no, you won't blame it on him either. I mean, he's also had a phenomenal season. Yeah, oh, in short, Harry, because that was long. Um, 65% crazy decision. 65% crazy because of the timing, but there was a conversation to be had. Uh, if you want full views, read that Varvel article, which was described as amazing by people who wanted accreditation rights next season. And oh, no, please read it because Johnny keeps plugging it on his Twitter every two seconds. I do. And I do. Yeah. Timeline. I, do. I wrote 2,000 <laughs> plus words. 2,000 plus words. I think it deserves to be read. Um, no, it's a fantastic piece. In- yeah, yeah, there you go. Harry wants accreditation. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it was really good. Uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful piece. The best piece ever written in my life. <laughs> it's out going full Donald Trump there. But yeah, no, it, it says it all there. Um, 
the, the feelings, the thoughts of everything, the intricacies of what happened. There was a conversation to be had. It shouldn't have happened when it happened. Right now, Burnley's in a bit of a mess. Uh, but would Burnley have gone down playing the same one to Sean Dyche? Honestly, Harry, probably yes. Um, would they have played like they did against West Ham today? Under Sean Dyche, playing a much more progressive-minded, maybe. I mean, he did. There were performances like that a couple of months ago, but he just seemed reluctant to bring Court back into the fray and, and, and in a two-man midfield, and, and he did seem to help a little bit in that respect. So I don't know, Harry. I don't know. It's not an ideal situation, but vibes with um, with Michael Jackson and see what happens. Or you know what? I, I'd probably go with the Michael Jackson situation over Sam Allardyce, though. Probably would. Probably would. Because you've got yeah. that, the fans will kind of respect him because he's one of the club. You've got Ben Mee on the uh, as part of the backroom staff. You, you've got a close knit squad, siege mentality times a thousand going on right now. And I think the fans can kind of buy into that. If Bur- if, if Burnley appointed Sam Allardyce, it would be mutiny. Honestly, I'd be a Lancashire full house, wouldn't it? I think he's managed everybody else, hasn't he? Yeah, he's managed a lot, but there would be mutiny, Harry. There would be, because they'd have seen it as replacing a club legend with someone who's basically the same in terms of style and stature, but he's a mercenary who's managed who's managed some of the biggest rivals of Burnley over time. And I say mercenary in the best sense, that he, do, he goes around, does a job, he doesn't care where he does it, but it would feel dirty, I think, from the mind of the Burnley fans to do that on Dyke. Whereas now, I think even though it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, you've got an unperfect response to an imperfect situation, but maybe maybe something good will come out of it. I don't know. Anyway, I think that, that sort of rounds that off a little bit. Uh, for more wonderful information on that, go to bubble.com. Uh, the Johnny Bentley's... Uh, Plug. Yes. Good, good, good. Abby, we're doing it for you, pal. Doing it for you. Oh, all that dough you give us. Um, so we're going to move on to the... I say that in jest. Uh, Harry laughs. Uh, inside joke, inside joke. That's not laugh. Yeah, we, we don't get a lot of dirt, let's put it that way. Um, no. But, no, no. We're grateful we said... for the opportunity. <laughs> the, the ten of us that go in the press box. <laughs> uh, yeah. Five next season, by the way, if you're listening. Yeah, no yeah. chance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just for context for anyone who's like, what's going on here? Yeah, we have, we have accredited members in the press box. We had over 20 uh, this year. Wonderful. Um, many of them are very good. So we're going to be trimming that. Uh, we're going to be trimming that list down uh, ever so slightly because, as you can imagine, attending a press box is a wonderful opportunity. Attending some of the biggest games in the world, it's a wonderful Absolutely. opportunity. Absolutely, had some, you um, know, the FA Cup semi-finals this weekend, which was you know, fantastic for the site as well, and some, some great coverage from that front. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. All yeah, about the yeah. Marvel train, as we say. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, that's my that's my excited um, excited expression, uh, but. It's not all, it's not the Burnley podcast, you know. I, as much as I uh, no, I don't know if I would like it to be. Uh, you know, as I say, I'm a global football fan. We'll cover anyone, including Shrewsbury, apparently quite a lot over the past month. Um, going down there, lovely place, by the way, Harry. It's like Hotfuzz, you know, where yeah. all the people are like, "Oh, no luck catching that swan." Then that's all the old. What? You said a few photos. It does look very nice, to be fair. Have you seen the film Hotfuzz? No. Oh, no, no. Hot Fuzz, yeah, I've seen Hot Fuzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam and Peg and Nick Frost, isn't it? Yeah, I've seen Hot No luck catching them killers, then. That's what it's like, honestly. Beautiful place. Shaking my head. <laughs> yes, the, the emoji, the emoji. Is there any emoji? There is. Um, face palm is the one you'd use. That's the one, that's the one. SMH, I get a lot of SMHs from my friend. So if I'm really emphasising that I'm disappointed, it's big SMH. Mine's okay. always TBH 
or IMO. They're the, they're the two abbreviations. As I like long most. as you don't put it into your verbal articles, because that would be poor SPAG. Some, some people would. Some people would, yeah. <laughs> they aren't going into the press box, I'll tell you. Honestly. No. Yeah. Need to, need to practice with alphabetic spaghetti before they can do that, I think. <laughs> Johnny's going no. out free spa glasses at the end yeah, of the yeah, yeah, Anyone yeah, who's yeah. interested. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not free. I'm £20 an hour, but that's fine. Um, anyway, <laughs> join the tutor agency. But we are moving on. We're gonna look at um gonna look at I do private tuition. We're gonna do a look at <laughs> go into my DMs if you want uh, if you want some molding to be a better. If you don't person. want to pass your exams, message John. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to if you've made team... it this far through the podcast, then yes. you must really yeah. want accreditation if you're this far. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or you're just a non-varvela, as I call them, varvelas. Uh, the the land of the varvel people uh, is run by varvelas. It's funny because Harry's drank four drinks, and yet on most podcasts you could probably imagine it was me who'd been to the boozer beforehand. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you could probably say. But we are moving on to the team of the season discussion, and this was really interesting because they will be coming around very, very shortly. So we thought it made sense to put this into the April edition. Now, team of the. <coughs> Team of the coughing, team of the season is uh, well. It's a it's a it's a wonderful time where lots of writers have lots of different opinions across the board in all newspapers, in all outlets and whatnot. And we have all the pundits talking about them and, and celebrating the season that's just gone by. Um, what I like to do, and what I've always done, really, when I brought this up onto podcast into discussion, is to really look at uh, backup options because we always see so many elevens and we think, "Where's well, why hasn't he got in? Why hasn't he got in? Why hasn't he got in?" And that's why we have the backup options. Um, 11 players that would slot in to those 11 positions that have been taken by team of the, by people who've made the official team of the seasons from Varvel, well, from Varvel representatives of me and Harry. Um, and, then they, and then they could have some sort of accolade. I'm sure they can, you know, take some solace in, in missing out in these prestigious uh, 11s. Because sure it's be important. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a massive knock to some Eagles of Premier League footballers if they're not in the Vavil team of the season or backup yeah. team of the season. Yeah. Well, honestly, yeah, you know, when when I when you hear some of the interviews after when they were, they were asking like people like Ronaldo, they said, do you want the golden boot? He says, uh, no, for me, I just want to be in the Johnny Bentley's team of the season when it comes around. <laughs> and I just said, you know... He'd smash your phone if you weren't in it, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, he would. Yeah, he would. He would. You know what? He could. You could, Ronaldo, because one... <laughs> Uh, it's not a brilliant phone. I, I, I got it in Hong Kong to be fair, Harry, but it was only the equivalent of £300. And I get a £10, um, I have a £10 sim in it, so we could smash it. That's absolutely fine. Do you go and like, top it up at the newsagents? No, 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 because I never have to. It's always It always gets me by. I don't usually text too much. I don't use my minutes too much, so the free minutes aren't very good. But then if Ronaldo did that and slapped it out of my hand, I could then claim a lot of compo, could I not? Then you just say you've got like an iPhone 13. And you're like, yeah. 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 Or if I said to Ronaldo, I was like, shocked by the whole incident and I can't you know I don't know I, I was like mortified he could be like oh, I'll give you I don't know 70 grand I'd be like all right then Ronnie you know what we'll one day's it. wages so, yeah, I... We'll t- hey I wouldn't I won't be grudged 70 grand come on I won't, no. I won't, I won't be grudged that at all you know what I mean so that'd be a that'd be a nice little uh one to put in an icer or something but anyway we'll go on to the um Kate Wood wouldn't it uh, he shakes his head but you would um so yeah start at the bag where you probably should start, in between the sticks, the goals, the netting. Um, who have we gone for, Harry? Harold? Roy? Alison Becker. 
Yeah, so right. self-explanatory. He's been the best keeper all season, hasn't he? Really, right, I mean, uh, without top-notch analysis, he'll be promoted. What else am I meant to say? You know, Liverpool have been very well this season. He's quite a good goalkeeper. He's got a few clean sheets. So <laughs> why am I not going to put my no, team in the seat? No, honestly, I I agree with you. And I, I think he, he currently at the at the time of recording, uh, he and Edison are are on 17 clean sheets apiece. The reason why, I mean, you could go either way. I think Edison's distribution is so vital to Manchester City. And we saw that, I mean, in that game against uh, Liverpool, where he just watched the ball nearly roll over his own line and then he played it so nonchalantly out, th- out wide. I think, was it Jota closing him down? I think it was, wasn't it? Or Mane? It Can't was, remember. yes. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, that, was exe- that exemplified what an unbelievable distributor he is with his, I mean, his best, he's, I thought Manuel Neuer was really was, was the best in the world for a long time with his feet, but Edison's another level. He's unbelievable and by far the best in the league at it. So imperative to City. But I would go for Alisson just on the basis that I think for those 17 clean sheets, he's had to work hard for those. I mean, some saves he's made in some games have been outstanding. World-class stops uh, all season. He's made a few mistakes. Don't get me wrong. He's made a few blunders. But I think overall he's turned up in most of the big moments for Liverpool. Last line of defence. And goalkeepers do win your titles, whether it wins them a title this season. Reds to be seen because Edison's also a fantastic keeper, as I just said. But I think Alisson shades it over the two because I think he's saved Liverpool in terms of shot-stopping more than Edison has for Manchester City this season. Thanks for that, mate. I've got nothing else to add. You've, um, you've, You've hit the nail on the head. Yes, Edison... You've got to say honourable mention, but he's not even in my backup, to be honest. No, he's not in mine. Someone else. Uh, but I, I think Allison's been the standout keeper this season, and you can't begrudge him of that. Of that team's reasons, but, uh, are we going to do a backup? Are we going to go backup, Tots backup? Or are we going to do the full team? And then we're going to. It's go interesting, you know. It's interesting. I've got I've got two different formations, by so that might make it a little bit more of an issue. Uh, okay, then we'll we'll, we'll we'll go to the backups. Then we'll go, we'll go. To- uh, we'll go to the backups. That's okay. That's okay. okay. If, if, right, we'll you want, backup if you want, if you want to be awkward and have two different formations, that's absolutely fine. Um, I had it. I had it four seasons. Just hipster. I'm just being hipster again with my backup team. Actually, um, no, my backup team is not hipster. It's four four two. Yeah, Stretcher Burnley, that or, or current Burnley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, that's fine. Okay, no, I've gone. I've gone three four three for both. Actually, uh, that's hipster. Oh yeah. After Don Conte, I thought. Well, if you went three four two one. I'd be. Well, actually, now you think about it, I could I could have gone three four one one one. Yeah, because there's subtle intricacies between the formational uh, positions on the. Johnny, you're boring no? everyone here, mate. Yeah, okay, Backup right, goalkeeper Jose yeah. Sar uh, from Wolves. I think he's not been the best in the in the last few weeks, but I think the important thing with team seasons back to team the season is you don't forget the entire campaign. Because I think a lot of people get very very excited by the last few months of the season and shove certain players in the team this season and forget about others. But Jose Sarr, it's been a revelation for Wolves. I mean, Ruby Patricia was always a solid player in between the sticks for Wolves. That You know, they replaced him, brought in Jose Sarr. Pretty much, I would say he was relatively unknown before he came to the Premier League, but he staked his claim as arguably the best of the rest out of Alisson and Edison. Mm. And uh, yeah, he's been solid for them this season. I think, you look, Edison, you'd probably say he's been the better goalkeeper, but I can't not put Jose Sarr in one team. So he is my backup goalkeeper. Okay, my backup goalkeeper is Aaron Ramsdale. Um, I, I think that 
Yeah, I think in recent weeks, like you say, with Sark, Ramsdale, there's been a few where you think, oh, I could have done a bit better there, maybe. Maybe he could have done a bit better with that strike. I think the thing with Ramsdale that's impressed me the most is how he's come into a big club and he's owned the position. He's not looked nervous in the slightest. I think one of the big problems with Bern Leno, who's a very good goalkeeper, actually, you know, and over the years for Arsenal has actually delivered. Hence why, actually, they got rid of Martinez, because Leno had actually, before Martinez had that little purple patch or little burst of form, Leno had actually delivered some really good performances for the club. But I think there were sometimes when he was in poor confidence, you could see it. You could see that he wasn't quite... He, he, he seemed to have a bit of self-doubt between the sticks. Ramsdale doesn't seem to have that. He makes a few positional errors. He makes a few errors over the season, but he's always bouncing back. He's always confident enough to own that and to, and to keep delivering solid performances. The most impressive thing for me for Ramsdale has been his distribution. He's kicking for me... It's something which was sort of hidden when he was at Sheffield United and Bournemouth a little bit, or at least maybe I wasn't paying as much attention. But at Arsenal, where they play a more expansive game and they want to play out from the back more and hold more of the ball and, and really break teams down, I think he's it's really shown how impressive he is. Edison's clear with distribution of the league, anyone in the league by some distance. But then I think there's a small cluster of goalkeepers, I'd say, like Alisson Pickford, uh, maybe Martinez. Ramsdale, people like that who are very, very, very good with the ball at the feet. I mean, Pickford, I think, is brilliant with the ball at his feet. That's why he's England's number one. I'd say Ramsdale's on par with Pickford for his kicking kicking ability, which which says a Not lot. Not for me. No? No, I think Pickford's marginally better, but it's an interesting one, the England debate, in terms of the goalkeepers, because I think yeah. Pickford's never let England down, should be the number one, but I if you were to replace him, would you go with Ramsdale or would you go with Pope, obviously, you know, Burnley player? Pickford. Or even Dean Henderson, never, to be fair, as well. You never let England down, has he? No. So I, I, Would you put go... Ramsdale as a firm number two, then? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think he, I think he's really impressed me, given that all the doubts we had at the start of the season when he came... Well, some of us had. Even I had a few. You know, even someone was saying he's coming in to challenge Bernd Leno, and he just came in, and as soon as he got in, he's not, he's not looked back. He, and that's testament to, I think, his really strong character. Uh, but the thing, as I say, that's impressed me the most is how cool he is with the ball at his feet. It's helped Arsenal coming out from the back a lot this season. And he's been one of their highlights of, of a relatively strong campaign, even if they falter a bit at the end. Yep. Yeah, um, do you want to roll with the, the right back? Roll with the gone with centre-halves? I've gone with centre-halves, Harold. You've gone with centre-halves, haven't you? Mm. Should we go mm. wing-backs then? Unless your wing-backs yeah, before were yeah, 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 yeah. No, my wing-backs are... Wing backs. Um, yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold for me is, yeah. is, 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 is the main right back. I mean, honourable mentions, I think, for other players there, but Trent's been, he's been so standout in the, in the last few months in particular. So solid throughout the season. I mean, he's, he's gifted when it comes to passing the football. And I think even, you know, people complain about it and really highlight some of his defensive frailties, but I think he's improved massively in that department this well this season. And Liverpool do go on to win the league. You know, he's played a huge, huge part in that. And, you know, it's great to see from an England perspective as well. I think look, there was a lot of talk of him, especially for the Euros, of actually missing out. Mm. I know we did at the end with injury, mm. but you know, look, he's he's arguably one of the first names on the team sheet now when it comes to Southgate squad squad at the World Cup. So no, uh, definitely Trent for me. Have you gone the same, or have you gone with uh, something more hipster? Trent, yeah, Alexander Arnold. Uh, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, absolutely, absolutely doing a doing a wonderful job on that on that right hand side. Really, just. <laughs> excuse me, just carrying Liverpool's attack like he has done season after season. He is a phenomenon, uh, generational talent. 
I actually think he'd, he'd, he'd work quite well as a wing-back. I mean, he practically plays as a wing-back for Liverpool with the attacking licence that he has. So, yeah, for me, easy-peasy choice on that right-hand side. Easy-peasy for the reasons you just said as well, Harry, for the reasons you just said. We'll, we'll, we'll jump over to the left-hand side. I've mm. gone with Joe Cancelo for my... Uh, it's a rogue shout, that, Harry. Le- sorry, left-back shout. And yeah, it's a bit of a rogue shout, but he, he's been... He's been outstanding this season. Yeah, he's yeah. brought another level to his game. Because I think when he first signed from Juventus, there was a few question marks about him actually. But he's he's turned into a, a, a typical Pep player, really, that can do it all. Uh, he's been solid throughout the season. I mean, he came up to St James's Park. I mean, I think he scored. He definitely scored one, but I think he bagged two. two. I think two, didn't he? he? Yeah, he was outstanding uh, to be honest, and he's done that throughout the season. I know he's been a little bit quiet, quite like quite a few of the players in the main team actually over the last few. Uh, but, but you, you can't be good him of a spot uh, in the in the team this season. Yeah. Do you want to jump to your uh, your, your first choice wing? Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I didn't even think I was joking when I said rogue shot. I think it's obvious. Well, no, it's not. I mean, to be fair, this backup. No, because some put minute right. Yeah, some can put minute right. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have gone left wing back uh, Cancelo as well. I just think pff, reasons you just said. Reasons you just said. Um, left foot, right foot. Can play right back, left back. Uh, very, very much Alexander Arnold. I think if, if if he was in Liverpool's team, I think he'd be getting Trent Alexander Arnold numbers. I think Man City's clinical edge isn't quite as that as Liverpool's. I don't think they're quite as clinical in attacking in the attacking third. I also think there's a tendency for him to get the pre-assist. Whereas Alexander Arnold sort of gets the assist quite often. Yeah, because with City, it's it's all very much trying to score the perfect goal, isn't it? As opposed to Liverpool, where you know absolutely clinical going forward. Yeah. So I, th- I think his numbers would be of those Alexander Arnold numbers at Liverpool. So I think I think we had a debate on this podcast a few months ago. Who's better, Alexander Arnold or Cancelo? You'd have either, wouldn't you? I mean, Liverpool's going to say Alexander Arnold, and City's going to say Cancelo. It's one of those. So trying to pick between chocolate fudge cake and Victoria sponge. They're both outstanding. You know, you don't want to choose either, do you? Yeah, I, I, I prefer a banana, Harry. Keep my figure. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the truth. Um, that's yeah, you picking but... Emil Kraft then at wing back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Javi Mankia. Craft um, was excellent, David. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll push up that in there. He's yeah, not getting yeah, well, in your team, though. No, no. Well, my backups, so I'll go, go up to my uh, Matty Cash at right wing back for me. Um, no, that is a rule shout. I don't think it is. I think he nearly, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been the villain of the week, hasn't he, after that awful challenge on Doherty, which yeah. uh, sent him out um, for the season, probably. But I think all season he's been outstanding in terms of a defense. He's a defensive warrior. He's excellent on the ball, great going forward. Um, didn't well for Dean Smith, done well for Steven Gerrard. He's a bit of a jack of all trades. Really, really good signing since he moved from Forest. And he has, you know, he's just delivered uh, since he's come to Villa. And he's one of their, uh, he signed a contract recently, actually, because he's been linked with Atletico Madrid and other teams like that. He's, that it signifies how good he's playing. Um, but that's important. Villa are hoping to be an ambitious club. Probably not this season. I think the season's petering out a bit. But I think next season they really want to kick on under Gerrard and he'll be key to that uh, so that's why I think he's gone in I mean I would have said Reese James but he's just not started enough games it's been stop start stop start stop start and I just Tommy Asu as well brilliant for Arsenal then he's been injured for a very long period of time now um, so yeah I, I, they probably would have made it but Cash has been there for most of the season and he's and, you know as I say he's putting those good performances on the left Andy Robertson it was a toss of a coin between him and him and Cancelo Robertson started the season a bit slowly and this year he's been brilliant Back to Robertson that we know, 
and has been, you know, brilliant for many years for Liverpool. Opposite of Cancelo, really, who started phenomenally and he's tailored off a little bit now. But I think on balance, Cancelo just edged him this season. Yeah, I've gone with Rhys James actually in my right back slot. Okay. I think, yes, like you said, he's not started a lot of games, but when he does, he always you always. You don't watch a lot of games, so you just watch the one. Game, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so, right, then. Yeah. With, with Rhys James, I mean, look, if you look, you know, before Christmas, I mean, Chelsea were, were essentially in a title challenge and, and Rhys yeah. James was playing every single week and that, you know, he was scoring goals, setting them up, that sort of thing. You know, he's mm. been integral to, to Thomas Tuchel's system and it's probably a big reason why they've, they've tailed off towards the end of the season and look like they're just going to consolidate a spot in, in third place. But I don't think, you know, it'd be harsh to leave him out, I think, in place of someone like Matty Cash. I know Cash has had a good season on his own, but he, he's not on the same level as Rhys James. Um, on the left side, I've gone with Robertson as well. Um it, Cancelo was clear for me as, as as my main choice at left back. Robertson, I think he goes under the radar quite a lot because everybody raves about Trent and obviously the English major and that sort mm. of thing. But Robertson's just solid throughout the season. And Liverpool are so lucky to have two outstanding fullbacks like that. And yeah, Robert, he's, he's, Robertson's he's, a better traditional yeah. fullback than Alexander yeah. Arnold is by quite a distance because he's a very good defender and he's a warrior and he can so he can do he's the quick gritty. as well. Yeah, yeah, he can do it all, can't he? I mean, yeah. there's not many left backs who would want over Andy Robertson. There, for me, I think he's. I, I personally think he's the best in the world. I can't think of another left back I'd want. Can't call Cancelo number one, but the, the the pair of them, it's like you said, it really is a, a toss of the coin. But for me, I, I would just edge with. Cancelo. Well, yeah, I'm going Cancelo on team of the season, but I I'm, I would go Robertson for longevity um, because I I mean it, it's been so long now that he's delivered again and again and again and again and again. And Cancelo has delivered. Give him a few more years before you never hear well, of Robertson having a bad game, do you? No, no, not often, not often, not often. No. I think he's um, a tremendous, tremendous player. But yeah, he's he's my backup in this in this team of the season to, to Cantona. Um, okay, centre backs. Uh, I've gone three: Diaz, Silva, Van Dijk. Uh, for me, the th- all three of them are integral to the teams that they're playing in terms of keeping that calmness in defence. I think that Joel Matip as a centre-back, looks a lot better. I think he's a very good centre-back, but he looks a lot better when he's with Van Dijk. And I think everyone... Yeah, that's why I didn't put Joel... I'll jump in, but I didn't put Joel Matip in my backup or my main team because I could look like good Lex to Van Dijk. I don't know. You don't know, I don't how, know. That, you don't that's know pushing how, it. That's pushing it. You don't know how good he is until he's alongside someone like... you know. I know Canard is a good defender, but Van Dijk's just head and shoulders above anybody else in the world. Well, I think Matip and Canate played together in a Champions League game earlier in the season. I think it was against Milan and they, they weren't all that. You know, they weren't all that. And I, I, don't get me wrong, they're two very good centre-backs and they, weren't, they aren't partnered together often. Um, but Liverpool, as I say, Van Dijk and Alisson are so integral. You take those two out, the defence does not look anywhere near well, I mean, they good. conceded three to Benfica in midweek and that was Canate and Matlip, you know, the starting centre-half. So it just shows how important he is, to be honest. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, for sure. I don't, to be fair, I don't know why I didn't reference that. I'm thinking of the game of miles back at it, bloody uh, Benfica. But yeah, that was also, yeah, a good Benfica team, man. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I would agree. I think Silver the same. Silver's a, a freak of nature. What he does at, at the age 37, outrageous to be defending how he does. I think it helps being in the back three and having a bit more protection from the centre-backs next to him. I think in a back four, he might come unstuck a little bit more, to be fair. But for me, he's still Chelsea's standout centre-half, just because of how effortless uh, he makes the game look. Now, some might say Rudiger's Chelsea's standout centre-half, but I would say that if 
Rudiger was in a back four, which we have seen. I just don't, I think he gets done a lot for his poor positional defensive play because he likes to push forward and attack the ball, which he can't do as much in a four. Whereas Silva, his defensive positional awareness is always very, very, very good. Um, and yeah, I, I think he's been phenomenal again this season and he's rightly got another contract at the club. And then Diaz, for the exact same reasons I've just mentioned for Van Dijk and, um, and Silva, Diaz is an unflashy, fairly boring type of player in all the best sense. He doesn't make mistakes. His defensive awareness is excellent. Um, you know, Stones and Laporte, whenever they play alongside him, they really appreciate playing alongside him because he's a no-thrills but no-spill centre-back, something Man City's needed for a very long period of time. I mean, I say that, and it makes it sound like he can't do anything. He's a great passer of a ball as well, by the way, Ruben Diaz. He's just a really solid, solid on the ball, doesn't do anything wrong, and he's probably the second-best centre-back in the league on balance, really, uh, because defending for Man City when you're basically in about two, like with Liverpool, when you're basically in about two, it's very hard, but he makes it look so easy. Um, and and he's contributed to 15 of the 17 clean sheets this year, I believe. So, yeah. Them yeah, I'm not going to go into good. great detail because, I mean, we've got pretty similar. I mean, my main team, my two centre-offs are Van Dijk and Diaz. I mean, look, they essentially pick themselves for everything you've said there. So important to their sides and without them, they aren't as good. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my backups, I've gone with Thiago Silva. You know, like you said, 37 yeah. years of age. Still incredible. Look, he's not the best in there. I wouldn't say he's fantastic in a back two. Look, he's 37, but no, he's still a world, world-class player. And I've actually gone with Antonio Rudiger as my other centre-off. I, I, I just think with, with Rudiger in particular, I think he's had such a standout season. I think it's been highlighted a lot by him being out of contract in the summer. And I think everyone's starting to wake up to realising just how good he is. I mean, look, he, he's so important for them. I think, look, he, he scores goals, he's solid defensively. He does everything right, to be honest. And I think he, he'd be a massive blow for Chelsea if they were to lose him in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, my three backups, briefly. Uh, Max Kilman from Wolves. Yeah, I like that. Eric Dyer from Tottenham and yeah. Antonio Rudiger from Chelsea. Uh, so you've gone with some rude choices there. What about Mohamed Silisu at Southampton? Because I spoke about him yeah. on the podcast. He didn't yeah. get in mind because I've essentially gone with the back two, but Silisu mm. would have been in there if I went with the back three. I, th- I think what Ralph Hassan does with Southampton is remarkable because they've got a lot of individuals who aren't necessarily amazing, brilliant players, but the systems he creates. Even when they're in adversity, I often said, actually, reference to Sean Dyche, I mean, if, if Ralph Hasenhutl had that Burnley team and they, they'd lost the games they did, they'd be going to a back three. You know, that's what he does. He doesn't settle for one system so often. If things aren't going well, that back 4-2-2-2 becomes a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2. And what he's done, yeah, I mean, Salisu is one of a number of Southampton players who just benefit from being uh, around an outstanding coach, I feel. Um I think he gets I think he gets wonders out of that team because I think it's quite an average squad to be honest with you. And I think the manager really takes it on. But yes, Elise has had a good season, as has you know, as has Armando Broja, as has um Great pronunciation. Yeah, we said that last last time. But yeah, as has um many Tino Livramento, another one who's had a very good Kyle Walker Peters, Fraser Forster now looks like it. even more he was at Celtic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but Ward Prowse, I think he, he was always a very, very good player. And yeah. I'm more looking at players who you wouldn't necessarily say, oh, yeah, let's yeah. go and get but, him. I mean, still with Ward Prowse, he's getting better every season, though, isn't he? And you know, that's yeah. fantastic for Salmonton and for England yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, smashing, smashing. But no, Kilman, 
Kilman was more, I mean, you picked Jose Sarr. Uh, Wolves' as a defensive unit for that first half of the season were fantastic. Kilman featured largely in the absence of Willie Bowley, who's been playing a lot in that back three. And his, his reputation has really come on leaps and bounds. He's been the steady Eddie of the back three. No, very few mistakes, if any, that I can really think of, not too many. Uh, just delivers, just delivering week in, week out, consistent performances in that back three. We know Cody's very good. You know, he's shown it for a while. It has been the the centre of that back three, the distributor. But the way Kilman's rose from being a re- relatively peripheral player on the squad to a regular starter who's now, you know, featuring ahead um, of other players, even like Roman Saiz, who was dropped recently, who was a very integral part of that back three. He's now getting ahead of him as well, uh, now that Bowley's back. So, yeah, I think he was linked with Chelsea as well. Uh, recently, he played a similar system. I think, he, yeah, he's done a credit to himself this year, really, uh, with with his displays uh, under under Bruno Large and Dyer, really, because I think he's probably been for me one of the most improved players under Antonio Conte. New lease of life in the centre of a back three, really, really consistent performances throughout the season, um, and now in with an England shout, I think uh, a shout of getting him back into the England team, depending on what formation they play. And then Rudiger, for the reasons you said. Um, Really, really embodies. Uh, I, I'd be. I, I can't imagine that he, he's leaving Chelsea. I can't. No, I don't think he'll go either. Unless he goes to Real Madrid somewhere like that. I don't but, see him going. Yeah, but the thing is, he loves the club. I think the fans love him. He's such a, uh, a cult figure at the club. And I also think that if he left, I think he is a massive benefactor of the Thomas Tuchel system. I think if he left to join Real Madrid, he would not look anywhere near as good. That's what I think. Silva is a far better defender than Antonio Rudiger is. Even at 37. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Harry, we'll go on to your midfield. Midfield. So one of my teams, I've got a I've got a like a you know, like a four four two. And then I'll I'll go with the centre mids actually. What yeah. I'll do is make, we'll yeah. make it easy. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go with I've got three midfielders in my in my first team. Mm. Uh, first one being Rodri, which maybe is a bit of an outside shell, but no, I, it's not because I've got him. No, as well. he, just, he goes he's a bit like Andy Robertson, though. He goes under the radar, but he's so important to Man City. I think we've seen even more in the, the Cup semi-final yesterday that uh, how important Rodri is to that team because Fernandinho, I know he's still in like another 37-year-old who's excellent, but yeah. Rodri's, Rodri's a serious, serious player. Yeah. Uh, he, he's just been so solid for Man City and you know to have a defensive midfielder like him, so comfortable on the ball, full range of passing and also be essentially can, it, it like a like a fifth defender really I think he's, mm. you know, he's, he's been massive for City this season mm. um, Declan Rice for similar reasons as well I mean look we don't really need to go into much detail about Declan Rice he's a phenomenal footballer mm. a future England captain mm. and he's come on even better than, than last season I thought you, I was a bit of me thought this season maybe Rice would just tail off a bit but no he, he's, he's gone on and, and really kicked on and he's, he's becoming one of the best defensive midfielders in world football. I'm not just saying mm. that because he's English. He's an absolute joy to watch. Uh, and speaking of players who are joys to watch, Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, yes, he, he gets injured every other week, but when he does play for Manchester City, he, he's, for me, other than Mo Salah, he's the best player in the division. And these are the sort of footballers we need in England if we want the Premier League to be the top league in the world because he's an absolute magician. I agree with you on the first two. Rodri and, and, and Rice are my double pivot in, in, in this in this team. I think Rice is more the box to box now, actually, with Rodri the more sitter in the in the, in that relationship of, of the Which two. Which is weird to say because Rice was started off as a centre half, didn't he? Yeah. But he has become a bit of a box to box, hasn't he? In, yeah. in, oh, absolutely. I'm just being Yeah, 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 you know, and he has. Um, I 
Did you did you do your backups then? You didn't, did you? I, then, I didn't do my backups. I done I done my starting ones. I can't really, I can't really elaborate on what you've said. There. I can't well, elaborate I to, on what you've said. De Bruyne, you seem quite yeah. confused by that. But I mean, I look, did. Left, he got eleven goals this season, three assists. I know he's playing for Man City, but that's still that's still great numbers for a midfielder. Yeah, no, and just no, because no, no. it's Kevin De Bruyne. Doesn't yeah. mean that he needs to be bagging twenty goals and twenty assists to be put in this team. I know no, he's not had. Yeah, it's his, it's it, other than a couple of years ago. This is his best scoring season in the city shirt, and that year yeah. was the year he bagged twenty assists and played thirty five games. He's not been able yeah. to do that this year. Yeah, good statistics, good statistics. Yeah, no, I think I I I, I could I, I think I, I don't know. Hard one. I, it would have been mine, but because I think I think we're thinking rose tinted glasses for recent months. I think for that first half of the season, there was another Manchester City midfielder for me that stood out miles more, and he's still playing very well now. But I've got him as a false nine. Um, I so, assume you've gone with a certain silver. Yes, I have. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll include that in the. Uh, could, that could be my midfield three, kind of. But yeah, I've got him like false ninety. Um, mm. You will. Bernardo Silva's been phenomenal. I think he's been. He, he, he's he's very underrated. Actually, I don't know if he's underrated. He doesn't get the numbers that some of the others do, but everything just, he makes everything look so effortless. He, when De Bruyne was injured in the 18-19 season, he was City's player of the season. He carried the midfield. Well, didn't carry it, but he led by example. He, everything he did was brilliant, uh, pretty much. And uh, he was integral to that Manchester City team in De Bruyne's absence. When De Bruyne starts to fire, I think he's like the secondary protagonist, the deutagonist, uh, if we want to use a posh word, where where he's sort of happy to be the second or third in command. But he's so capable of being the main man that it's actually, even though when De Bruyne is brilliant, I actually think, oh, it's a shame because it kind of takes the limelight a bit away from Bernardo Silva. But overall, over the season, I think Bernardo Silva has been the one who's exhumed the most consistency out of that Manchester City midfield. Hence why he's in my little false nine position and he can drop back if he wants because I like him. Yeah, I've gone with Bernardo Silva in my backup, actually. I think it was a toss-up between him and De Bruyne, but I just think in terms of... It gone in... Uh, for me, it was who's a better player. De Bruyne's a better player. That, that's why he, he is for me. I, I know maybe I should have gone with Bernardo Silva, but I, I just don't think that the, the work that De Bruyne has done this season can be understated, regardless of injuries. I think it's even more impressive the numbers he's got with the amount of injuries he's had. He's had such a stop-start season. To still produce the numbers that he's that he's got is, is phenomenal. But my other backup midfielder, I'm sure he'd be in everybody's, maybe even in a lot of people's main team, and that is Conor Gallagher. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he, what a season the lads had. I mean, I thought yeah. he was fantastic at West Brom. Yeah. And um, the end part of, of last season, he's he's gone to Palace. There's a lot of question marks about him going there, and maybe he could have went elsewhere. Maybe have gone to a side, maybe even pushed him further up for Europe. But I think being under Patrick Vieira in particular is only going to help him as a midfield player and. He's really thrived in a in a, in a an eccentric Palace team, should we say? You know, it's the best Palace team maybe their fans have seen in their whole lifetime. I think, and, and Gallagher's embodied that really. I don't think he'd be there next season, which is a massive shame for them. He'd be back at, and arguably starting for Chelsea next season. I think. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think so. I've got Gallagher in my double pivot because I actually think he could play there with Kante or someone like that. Actually, yeah, in 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 a further back position. Um, I've also gone with. See, I'm really tossing a coin with De Bruyne, whether he's in my backup or not, because the other players I've got in my backup are really good, I think. You know, 
Anyway, uh, I've got Ruben Neves over instead of Rodri. I think Ruben Neves yeah. is a force. Got him Yeah, uh, he's been linked with Arsenal. I think it'd be perfect for Arsenal actually, and the way they play. He's orchestrated things. He's come on another level under Bruno Large because there's a more attacking emphasis under him than there maybe was under the last season of Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, and I think he's thrived. He's got forward more. He's delivered some amazing killer passes. He's dictated the tempo. Scored some good goals as well um, for them. But generally, just his, his overall playing in dictating in the middle of the park has been outstanding. When he's not playing, Wolves don't look the same team. Uh, and that, that's absolutely fair. And if he does go, you'd imagine he'd be for quite a lot of money. I think he'd do really well for Arsenal. Um, my backup for Bernardo Silva was De Bruyne. And it's like a slash, De Bruyne slash. So it depends. If it's a false nine, it's Kevin De Bruyne false nine, which is fair. Then I've gone, and I probably would say De Bruyne to be fair on balance, but I've also gone Ronaldo, um, which is which is begrudging because Ronaldo turns up in a, in a lot of the, you know, he's got 15 goals this season in the Premier League, but he's got the kind of in spurts, like hat-trick against Tottenham, hat-trick against Norwich. Two against Arsenal. Two against Arsenal. Newcastle, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think about the times I've watched Ronaldo and he just does absolutely nothing in a but game. But that's Ronaldo. He's, that's Ronaldo. <laughs> that is but Ronaldo. No, no, no. no but my, my people are saying next season for Ronaldo, do do, do, do United keep it? How, what would United do without Ronaldo? I, I mean, I see Brad, uh, who's on Bible United, he's tweeting it quite a lot. What would United do without Ronaldo? Clearly a Ronaldo fan. Uh, listen, the numbers are brilliant. Um. I don't. I, I think he's a he's a luxury, but I I think the only luxury you can have almost a modern day football team now to that extent is like Pete Ronaldo and Pete Messi. It's like Pete Ronaldo and Pete Messi of, of four or five years ago. They are the only luxuries you could have because they were brilliant. You know, Pete Ronaldo, he could score like he is now, but he could take players on. He was strong. He could create. He was lightning quick. Pete Messi was the same. He could do everything. Now, and it's the same with Messi at PSG and Ronaldo now, now you've got Ronaldo and he's a brilliant scorer. That's all he does. do not create, doesn't have the pace, doesn't have the tricks to get round players. So he becomes a brilliant burden for me. And that's, that's, that's why I'm really slashing in with De Bruyne for that last backup spot. Because De Bruyne is no burden. He is absolutely brilliant for Man City and he does the off-the-ball work. He does all the all the important stuff and he gets the statistics. But Ronaldo's got 15 goals and he's and he's 37, and that's unbelievable, especially in a dysfunctional United team. But De Bruyne is certainly more important to a team. To a team. Yeah, it depends if you're trying to build a team that's to win games or a team on individuals that have done well this season. I think it's maybe on the latter. But I'll I'll hint this and I have actually put Ronaldo as my backup striker oh. in, in, in a two up front. I just think for him at the age he's at to still be producing the numbers that he is in a team that isn't very good it's a shambles on and off the pitch at Manchester United and how many times a season has he come up clutch for them and won them points he certainly did yesterday probably would have lost if it wasn't for Ronaldo yesterday against a team that are bottom of the league so I don't think you can ever highlight his importance but like you said he is a brilliant burden to be fair it's difficult what you do with him because yes he's, he's built them out on many times a season but how quiet has Bruno Fernandes been he was arguably the best player in the Premier League last year. And I think with Ronaldo coming in, it's kind of quietened him. Yes, definitely in terms of goals. Um, but from assists as well. So it's a difficult one for, for you to assume Eric Ten Hag next season. But you ask, I, you I ask th- how many teams Harry would 
could cope with the burden of Ronaldo and Messi now. Now. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think the big top coaches coming out saying, I want them on my team. I think they'd be saying, no. is he going to break my system apart? Probably. Is it worth doing it? No, because this is at Ronaldo at 28, 29, 30. It was just unbelievable. You know, I, 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 he's been unbelievable for years. But I think those... I mean, you think over the career, just briefly before we go on to the other bit, you think over the career of Ronaldo, when he used to play for Ancelotti, you'd sort of mould the system for him. Jose Mourinho would kind of mould the system a bit for him because he was so good. Um, Max Allegri at Juventus was sort of organisation and then, you know, there was no specific attacking philosophy, I suppose. But he hasn't had like the system like a Jurgen Klopp or a Pep Guardiola or even a Thomas Tuchel or a Conte. Apparently Ronaldo didn't want Conte to come in when, when uh, Solskjaer left, who's very system-based manager. He wants players to do exactly what they say. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of avoided that, really. And so, has, and Messi, I suppose, has been so good, you sort of make him the, 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 the system, but you can't really do that now, like I say. I think it's just the end yeah. of an era for them. It's sad, isn't it, really, when you think of it? Because, I mean, the, the, these two have, have dominated our lifetime. Yeah. And I, yeah. We'll ne- I don't think we'll ever see two players like that ever again. Who well, no, are but- so better than everybody else. It's not like, yes, people talk about Mbappe and Haaland and that nowadays, but yeah. Ronaldo and Messi, you will never, ever compare to them two. Yeah. And to be, to have both of them at the same time, I almost feel bad for the pair of them because they both should be the outright greatest of their generation and they're not. And the fact that these two are still going and pushing each other on at that age is, is something special. But Also, as well. We... Back on as well, just yeah. before we get into what you yeah, yeah. say, Johnny. Yeah. If Ronaldo went to Man City, how do you think he would have fared? He could have got a lot of goals. I think he'd have got a lot of stopped, goals because Pep would have dropped him, wouldn't he? He wouldn't have been frightened yeah. to you know knock him to the bench, that sort yeah. of thing. I think he'd have got. I think he'd have got in the league. I think he'd have got twenty-five plus goals, easy. Uh, but I don't think he'd have made Man City a better team. Do you think they would have won the league? Think they would basically have it wrapped up now if they had no. Ronaldo? Because I feel they're still no. missing that that goal score. No. no, because I think that yeah, they'd have had to slightly tinker how they did it to have Ronaldo in the team. And I think to ha- I think. I think they could have still won the league with Ronaldo. He'd have got 25 goals. He'd have said, hey, presto, Ronaldo's helped them win the league. But they do it differently. They, they can find a way. They would have been a worse team with Ronaldo in it. Just like uh, Benucci said about Juventus, they were a worse team with Ronaldo in it because you changed. So you've got someone who's that well-known and renowned in the world of football. You do altered slightly. You just want to get in the ball. That's not what City do. It would have. I think City could have still won the league with him. He scored a rack to massive amount of goals. But City aren't, even when De Bruyne's there, City aren't Kevin De Bruyne team. Whenever Ronaldo's at a team, it's like, this is Team Ronaldo and 10 others. Or when Messi's at, when Messi was in his prime, it was Team Messi and, you know, 10 brilliant other players. But Man City, they, they don't, I, look, I think, yeah, awkward one. I think he did well for City. I think he probably partly regrets not going, even if it would have tarnished his time there. But yeah, no, he wanted Messi City that team. He wanted Messi City that team. But he would have got the goals. Should we talk about wingers then? I, yeah. I assume you've done, your, you've done your midfield, haven't you? Yeah, I'll do. I'll go first then. Salah and Son for me, as my as my wide players. Jungmin Son's one of the few players that actually turned up for Nuno Espirito Santo when he had that time at the start of the season. It was, uh, you know, it, it, I felt really bad for him actually. I was at that Tottenham Man United game where the fans were baying for blood. They were all at the end, bottom of the stadium waiting for him to come out of the uh, to, um, the tunnel, and he wouldn't come out. And then eventually he did to do his TV interviews, and that was horrible. Um, and so many of the players didn't turn up for him, uh, or they, or they. Just didn't buy into the 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 ideas of of the coach, but Son did, to be fair, and he and he 
He scored some important goals. He got the winner on the opening day against Man City. He got the winner against Watford. He always gave 100%, no matter who was in charge. And fair play, you can never question Son's attitude. Um, and over the season, he's consistently delivered assists, goals, a, a really, really good work ethic. Um, and he does it every year, Harry. He does it every year. Um He's a brilliant, brilliant player. Probably for me, the best left-sided attacker in the league. There was a debate at the start of the season. Is it him? Is it Sterling? Is it Mane? For me, it's him. I think Sterling and Mane might be a bit better on dribbling with the ball, but for his passing, for his finishing, for his attitude, I think you'd, I would give it to, to Son, that accolade of, of, of left-side, generally best in the league. And he has been this season, I think. Uh, really, really tremendous. Uh, and then on the right, who else? Salah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Tailored off a little bit since AFCON. But, um, yeah, where would Liverpool be without him? Well, they'd still probably be doing quite well because they've still got a phenomenal team. But they want to sort out that contract negotiation um, before it goes into next season where he's in his final year because that just becomes a bit awkward then, doesn't it? Hopefully they can find a solution to that. And then backups for that, uh, I've got uh, Jota. Um, good numbers, 15 goals, I think, this season. Um, big goals as well, big goals. Um, yeah, he got the goal at the Etihad goal against Arsenal at the Emirates um, he, he, he does turn up for the big occasion he misses a lot of chances but he's a, he's a fox in the box he, does a, he doesn't affect his confidence so he's done really well and only just nudged out by Son and then on the other side Jared Bowen really really carried West Ham's attack this year I think Antonio started like a house on fire um, now he's really gone off the boil a bit, probably needed someone to rotate with. I always think he's not a natural striker, even though he's a good player. Um, but Bowen's really, really, really delivered for West Ham. He's been tremendous uh, for quite a while now. Goals, assists, good attitude, really quality, really top quality player. Brilliant signing from Hull. Brilliant signing. Burnley will live with him. They should have got him. Yeah, Newcastle could have had him for 20 million. He actually wanted to come to us and yeah. we didn't put a bid in. Typical match, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll go on then yours, Harry. Backups and uh, yeah, I'm not going to dwell on my starters because Salah and Son. I, I, I don't really know what going into deal. You, I would essentially just be repeating you. I've also gone with Jarrod Bowen uh, as, as a right midfielder on my backup side, and on the left hand side, I've actually gone with someone different. I've gone with Sadio Mane, Ooh. which you know, yeah, he's, for some reason people like really seem to like. I don't know what it is with Mane. People just. I think he's underrated nowadays. I think, yeah. I think he's the problem. Like if you look at that Liverpool front three, who's the first person you take out? And I would say 80% of people go Sadio Mane, where I think a lot of Liverpool fans would say otherwise. He showed yeah. yesterday just how good he still is. He's actually having his third best goal scoring season in the Liverpool mm. ship when arguably it's probably his poorest year, but he, he produces for them every single season. And look, he does. You know, he's he, he's pulling them along with Salah and of course, you know, Luis Diaz, who's been massive for them, back into a, a, a title challenge. So yeah, I've gone with. I've gone with Mane. Um, are we on to our strikers now? Yeah. Yeah, do you want me to go first with this one? Because this, no, this, this is... I've done my whole team, I think, now, actually. <laughs> I think, I think I've done it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll spice it a bit, because yeah. I know... Yeah, I, have you got Harry Kane in your... No. You've not gone with Harry Kane? No, I went with Bernardo as a false nine, and then a Ronaldo no, slash to point of backup. Yeah. I had a feeling you went with Harry Kane. I've not actually gone with him in my team. Look, he's been outstanding for the last few months, but rubbish you know, for the others. Let's go back. Have, yeah. Rubbish for the others. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think he's only, has he only got twelve goals this season. And I think so. And that's been like well, ten of those are like from the turn of the year, aren't they, or something? Yeah, because like, he, he got his first goal of the season against Newcastle, and that was in end of October, something uh, like that. Oh yeah, 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 that was under Nuno as well. I think wasn't it? Yeah, that was the takeover game, Matt. 
VR. But uh, yeah, Harry Kane, <laughs> like, I, we'll have to, I think we'll have to mention it, to be honest, because I think there's been a lot of talk. I mean, he's been able to stand on as of recent. He's yeah. essentially playing as like a central midfielder for them. And yeah. I think like Kane, once his legs go, he, he's going to play midfield. A bit like what like Wayne Rooney did when he went back to Everton and just slotted in there so comfortably. That well, such though, a great player. I mean, I really hope he does his record that's like that's the only thing I want him to not do but everything else I mean he's a phenomenal striker but he's in my backup team uh, alongside Cristiano Ronaldo who I've, who I've mentioned but I've gone with Diogo Jota I stuck loyal to him in my mid halfway through the season team the season when I don't think you put him in your team at all but, um, which was which was a bit poor on my part yeah his goals are understated for them he's, he's, he's such a great finisher and like there was a lot of alarm bells I thought raised when they signed him because there was like 41 million for Jota but even when he was at Wolves, I mean, he, he was a, he was a great goal scorer, and obviously working under Klopp, you know, working alongside the likes of Salah and Mane in that every week, it's only made him a better player. And his goal scoring has been fantastic. Also, you know, I love to see his conversion rate from a percentage mm. in terms of other players because it seems that whenever Diogo Jota has got the ball in the box, he finds the net nine times out of ten, and that's such a you know that's a great thing for Liverpool to have. And the fact I don't know, I think he's a bit wasteful. <laughs> I think it's a bit like... Every time I watch him... You say, I don't watch much football, so... No, I only watched him twice. Probably beer goggles watching the other time. No, but you can't say he's not a great finisher, though. I think, you know, we've we've seen that this season. He's got some important goals, he has. And that's why he's in my backup. You know, I think think he delivers on the... I think think a bit like Salah, he misses chances, but he'll miss them, but it won't deter his confidence. No. Fantastic way of putting this. Uh, managers, yeah. this is the one that I added at the end just because I wanted to mention someone in my backup. Yeah. But I'll, I'll go. Do you want to go with your? I, I assume we've got the same manager or managers for. And we we said we said didn't we off air? Pep, Guardiola, or Jurgen Klopp, depending on who wins the league, that's really important. Yeah. I think that's the key. Uh, and this is the Premier League team of the season, so it's not like the Champions League team of the season uh, or the FA. You can't split them really. They're both phenomenal managers, and whoever yeah. comes out on top in the Premier League takes the accolade. I think that's fair enough yeah. to say. I, I'd give David Moyes. The um, sort of shadow to the, one of those two because I think I know it's the Premier League, to, uh, you know, uh, awards, but to keep West Ham fighting for, well, on the cut, I'd say on the periphery of a Champions League spot, top four, while taking them West Ham to the semi finals of the Europa League is some achievement. It is some achievement. They went on a little cup run in the Carabao Cup as well, they beat Man City. They only just went out to Tottenham just before Christmas, so they had a bit of a they had a bit of a decent time there. He's just done such a good job, honestly. Um, and what's even more impressive is in January when they should have strengthened, they should have got a new striker, they should have spent a bit of money. They haven't, and he's kept the boat going. He's kept it going. The momentum is. I suppose they're running on adrenaline almost now. Uh, those West Ham players, but semi-finals of the Europa League, good chance of getting to the final, good chance of winning it and getting into the Champions League that way, whilst also being on the cusp of the top four in the league, whilst going on a little Carabao Cup run. Honestly, what this is this is the, the season that David Moyes, maybe last season was, the past two seasons have been the have been the, to signify that David Moyes has bounced back for the first time, really, since his time at Everton. Got to say, I'm really happy for him as well because like, he took a lot of flack, especially Man United, Sociedad, oh, yeah. Sunderland. It was yeah, a really yeah, difficult yeah. time for him. In. But when he was at Sociedad and he went, and he tried to do Spanish and he went, Uno dos tres chances. <laughs> I, I always remember seeing a photo of him and he was having a bad time at Sunderland. He was in a pub in my local area just on his own having a pint. I felt so oh. sorry for him. Did you go for a pint with him? 
No, I didn't. I was, a bit, I was uh, too young at the, at the time. Uh, you didn't want to really make his day worse, I suppose, did you? So. <laughs> <laughs> He'd love my company. <laughs> I'm sure he would. Sure, you could just talk about Bruce all day, could you? Uh, sure, he'd love that. Probably his friend, to be fair. But, yeah. um, so go on then, give, give us your shout for your... You know what I'm going to say, don't you? But, yeah. Eddie Howe, backup yeah. manager of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's absolutely in with the shout yeah. for manager of yeah. the season. Look, I don't yeah. think he should get it but I certainly think he should be up there. The job he's done at Newcastle is unprecedented. A lot of people will like to tell you that because Newcastle spent 90 million in January is the only reason they've stayed in the Premier League. When you consider factors like Alan St. Maximan has been injured for the majority of the season and has been somewhat off the boil. We've been missing Callum Wilson for six to seven months. Kieran Trippier, you know, came in, breath of fresh air, comfortably one of the best players I've ever seen play for Newcastle. Broke his foot after four games. Yeah, yeah. He's essentially, you know, he's brought players back from the dead, like Joe Linton, turned him into a central midfield mid enforcer. He's yeah. reinvigorated the likes of Ryan Fraser, Joe Willock, Fabian Sharp, even yeah. Emil Kraft. Players you know what I think is the best thing about Eddie Howe as well? Come on, uh, he's um, It's not had any money to spend. Can you imagine if he'd have been given like 80, 90 million in January? Can you imagine if they just like four or five players, Newcastle? <laughs> Can you imagine? He just, so I mean, he'd be top four now. What I've just said there. <laughs> he'd be top four. the <laughs> squad and yeah, dragged no, no, us no. 12 points clear of the bottom three at this point yeah. in the season. And I'm He's saying... going to become the first manager, well, the, the Newcastle are going to become the first Premier League club to have not won a game. I think I think we won one game in 20, something yeah. crazy like that, and yeah. to, to keep us in the league. And um, I'm saying, and, if, if they'd have just backed him in January, who knows what could have happened? I'm not gonna buy. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna buy. But you know, all I'm gonna say, if, if all Kieran Trippier and Callum Wilson were fit, where would Newcastle be? And I will tell you what they would be. They would be top ten. And that is, you know, you, you can't say that he's not done a phenomenal job. And you look at the last twenty games in the Premier League on form alone, Newcastle would be seventh. Uh, personally, I mean, I I just look and think. If Steve Bruce had been given a transfer kit, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it would have been. Uh, I think it would have been in the We've Champions been League. league. <laughs> <laughs> You're in Champions League now. Champions League, you'd have brought Andy Carroll in. <laughs> all would have been all right. No, I think, yeah, to be fair, he has done quite a good job and there have been circumstances. Quite. That... Quite. Well, I mean, you know, again, it's a again. Job, who, Johnny. Who, all right, who's, who's, who scored two goals uh, in this game of the day we are recording? Who's called that? Bruno 33 million right. pound midfielder. Exactly 33 million pound midfielder. It was scored two goals. 33 million pound midfielder scored two goals. He did. Mm-hmm. And also, he could afford to sign a 25 million pound striker who doesn't touch the ball. <laughs> so, I mean, that's which is what you said. Which is what you said. Uh, it's harsh, Johnny, to say that it's not all down to money because you're a man who watches football. You're a global football fan. Thank you. And you can't say, I mean, let's be honest, you've probably been glued to Newcastle's fixtures thinking they were in a relegation battle with Burnley. Even though I told you weeks ago, Newcastle never going to go down. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's what I said. I said as soon as Eddie Howe got um, £700 million to spend in January, I said, look, I don't think that Newcastle are going to be in a, in a relegation scrap anymore. And, and, and they're not. And to be fair, you know, um, of that money, it's a bit like when Donald Trump said, uh, you know, I, I got this business through hard work, graft, dedication, <laughs> And a small load of ten million dollars from my dad. <laughs> that's, like, that's, like, that's, like, that's like what it is. <laughs> Come on, that's what it is. It is. Um, you know. So uh, yeah, I, no. To be fair, all jokes aside, yeah, I think he's, he's done. He's done a solid job. He, I, I actually thought someone like Rafa Benitez would have been better suited to the squad when Bruce left. Still, arguably, would have kept Newcastle up. To be fair, I think um, not as comfortable though. I don't think. You don't know. You don't know. Um, I, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see. I think given his past success there, without any money spent, 
I think I think there's an there's a there's a possibility looking there, but no, he has done a great job. Really, he has done a solid job. Question is how long he'll get uh, before they want to upgrade. I'd like to think, I think a long time bit. to be honest. I think on I don't think there's a lot of expectation on next season. I think the outside point of view on how is I think new I think a lot of people think the Newcastle will be pushing for Europe next season. It doesn't seem that that's the case. The aim is on top ten. I think if how can deliver that, you know. If we build on this from last season, spend another one yeah. billion pounds, you'd like to think we can get top ten next season. But I think how will have the job for as long as he wants. To be honest, unless yeah. he starts losing yeah. six, seven, eight games on the belt, I don't yeah. think he's in any danger. If I'm being brutally honest, is that what Amanda shook, said when she shook your hand? Yeah, she said thank you. She says thank you. She said that Johnny Bentley. I tried to get through his two thousand word piece, but I was bored after the first twenty. Yeah, well, you know, she should read my uh, 10,000 word piece on um, human rights within Saudi Arabia. Maybe that'd be interesting uh, if, if that's how she felt with my 2,000 word piece. Anyway. Um, it's available yes. to read on the Vavil website. You <laughs> check on his Twitter, you'll, you'll find it. You won't, yeah. have to, you, won't have to, you won't struggle to find it. It's definitely yeah, there. Yeah, I'm restarting my dissertation on, the, on that right now. As a, but, but yeah, the 2,000 word piece. On the uh, on the Sean Dyche saga, yes, do have a look at it. It should still be on the top five because our wonderful editors don't update it very often, so it should still be there. Uh, it's not like so it's good. Johnny's job, you know, to occasionally do that or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you stick to your spreadsheets, Harold Roy. <laughs> uh, he, he he does spreadsheets for the group uh, that don't get filled out. So we are gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're listening, fill it out or you're not going to throw it <laughs> yeah. next season. I do remember. <laughs> so, 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 very good, very good. Uh, wonderful, wonderful show. Lots of, lots of highs, lots of lows, lots of, um, lots of random discussions uh, that might, may or may not have made the edit. Um, please do give us a review. Do subscribe. You get your monthly subscription where you get one of these every month and it's wonderful. Next month, God knows when it will be. Probably a review of everything that's happened because, my God, there's going to be a lot of things that have happened. Um, and I'd love to do Goal Mystic Meg on you and tell you what's going to happen. But, hey, no, no one knows what's going to happen next week. So, you know, it's one of those situations where... If the Premier League is as wide open probably as it's ever been. So there's so much at stake in these, uh, this this final furlong. And I can't wait to see it all unfold. Anyway, from myself and Harry, it's a... Thanks for listening, guys. Pleasure as always. Yeah, it's a goodbye. <laughs>